Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Zushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. Thewellnesscouch.com. Streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. So if you've been following my podcast for a while, thank you. Um, But you will know that I've been a little missing in action of late, uh, basically for the last six to eight weeks or so. And, And this is really just because after running my podcast for over two years, I was just feeling as though I needed to give myself a little bit of a break. Um, and look, considering as I keep reiterating to my own clients that self-care is very important, um, you know, I want to be very congruent with my message. And obviously, in fact, you know, taking care of ourselves is not really an option working 24-7. It's absolutely vital. Um, and that really brings me to my super special guest on today's episode, and that's Dr. Maria Zushman, who is a chiropractor and health coach based in Shell Harbour on the south coast of New South Wales. Maria is affectionately known as Dr. M and has been in the wellness industry for over 20 years. Along with her hands-on work in the last 14 years, uh, in addition to running her in her chiropractic clinic, she's also a sought-after speaker and has facilitated hundreds of wellness workshops over the last 14 years, in addition to running her own podcast called The Queen of Stress. Which brings me to today's topic, and that being stress and how to manage it in our current crazy, busy lifestyle. So on that note, I'd love to give a warm and friendly Healthy Shift Worker welcome to Maria. Hello. Hello, Audra. Thanks so much for having me. It's a a pleasure to be with you today and and to uh, get the chance to meet your listeners. Yeah, it's um, it's wonderful. You've you as I we kind of I spoke to you just before we went to air. You're the first uh, of my uh, guests back on air since I've had my little podcast pause. So um, yeah, it's it's great to kind of have you on. And look, 
I know we haven't actually met in person before, um, but we're about to in a couple of weeks' time, as I'll explain to our listeners at the end of the podcast. But I'm really fascinated by your work, um, Maria, like in particular, obviously running the podcast um, that I mentioned before, your Queen of Stress, because I'm pretty sure that 99.99999% of people listening right now have at some point in time faced some form of stress in their lives, you know, whether it be short or long term. So, first things first, I'd love for you to share your story with us, uh, Maria, as to like, you know, what set you on the path to becoming a chiropractor and, you know, then I guess becoming so focused on stress and supporting your nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, um, number one, thank you for having me as your first guest back after your <laughs> sojourn. I feel very, I feel very privileged that I, I was invited to, to be first guest back. So, thank you. Um, I, I suppose for me is that uh, really, and I and I look at my chiropractic practice these days as being a part of my bigger journey, and and really the queen of stress and my momentum architects work is is really umbrellas across all of it because where the queen of stress was really born was as the princess of stress as a child. Um, I was uh-huh. I was definitely um, a daughter of a workaholic. My dad worked my dad worked very, very hard and he worked very, very hard for the benefit of us in terms of his family, my mum, my big brother and myself and and we really we we saw a lot of the benefits financially from that and the education that we were able to have and all those sorts of things. But what I watched my dad doing was having this crazy work ethic and I see it as being a crazy work ethic now. A few years ago, I saw it as an amazing work ethic, but I saw how he drove himself into the ground and got sick, basically. Uh, And that really threw me onto the path of becoming a chiropractor and being in a very proactive health space. Uh, And then when I graduated as a chiropractor, as when I was 28, bit of a story there, I won't bore your listeners with why it took a a little while to get there, but... (laughs) Short version is I should have had a year off, Audra, and I didn't. So I majored in first year and second year. And then I had two years off and I worked in a chiropractic practice. I then went back to start again uh, my my chiropractic degree and ended up finishing top of my class because I wanted to be there versus thought I had to be there. Mm. And when I first graduated, I basically started to replicate my father's work ethic and I was working crazy hours. I was grunting at people by the end of the week. I was definitely, I definitely was not a great friend through that period of time because by the time I finished work, I really didn't want to talk to anybody else, to be honest. Mm. It was like I'd spoken to so many people throughout the day and given so much energy that I didn't have very much for myself on the other side of that. And so throughout my adult life, my dad actually passed away in my early 20s and uh, and after that I put on a lot of weight very, very quickly because what I've learned is in the past, and I'm very mindful of the language I use around my stress, in the past when I was under stress and I went into a sympathetic dominant state, uh, I would put on a lot of weight very quickly. It happened to me in my early 20s, it happened to me in my early 30s and it happened to me again in my a couple of years ago when I had been under significant stress for a long period of time. And that's really where uh, the Queen of Stress movement and my podcast, Be the Queen of Your Stress, came from because I recognize the importance of, A, being able to recognize your stress before it becomes overwhelming and mm. it's detrimental impact. Then how to manage your stress because there is good and bad stresses. I think sometimes people get a bit muddled with that. So how to manage the stuff that might be overwhelming. And then the third component of that is how to use your stress, how to use it for good, not evil, so that you can actually leverage the stressors in your life to actually take your life further versus being stuck in a rut, if you like, and getting stuck in cyclic stresses that we don't need to be stuck in. Mm, 
Yeah, fascinating. I think a lot of um, it's yet yeah, certainly a roller coaster ride that you've been on by the sounds of it, and, and no doubt probably you know plenty of our listeners can probably re- relate to similar um, situations. Uh, definitely the the grunting I think at people you were talking about uh, is a bit of a uh, like a bit of a warning sign, isn't it? Like a red light going off to say that your personality is changing, things aren't right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look, I, I think so. I think, you know, how we're communicating to the nearest and dearest in our life mm. is a good indication of where our stress levels are at. And if you're snapping at your family all the time, your partners, your parents, your kids, you know, sometimes we need to have that little bit of reflection. And, again, that's a lot of the stuff that I, I talk about is that um, being mindful of that as the, some of the signs that you're perhaps not coping so well with the stresses that are in your world because a great mentor of mine once put it so succinctly, which is that, there's always going to be punches being thrown at you. I, I translate as being stresses in our life. It's just a matter of whether we're ducking and weaving or whether we're like literally getting smacked in the face. So it's, it's does that make sense? Yeah, great analogy. Whether keep, yeah. Whether we keep putting our face up there or our head up there to get punched or whether we're actually ducking and weaving and managing our stress well because, you know, you and I could have the exact same stresses on us mm. and I hope we both uh, good at the art of managing our stress but let's say one of us wasn't we could have the exact same stresses on us and we can respond very very differently um and I, as you said i think that grunting is a, a real key back then in my 20s I, I had no awareness that that was what that was doing um mm. and in in essence is that i was just driving myself into a more and more stressed state and in the end that that uh, i suppose expressed itself with the breakdown of a relationship because you can only do that for so long without it having an impact. Uh, and I think that's something that people sometimes don't have their eyes open to, is that you can behave, you can choose to behave like that. How we behave is totally a choice, but it will have ramifications at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like putting, um, yeah, like an ostrich just puts his head in the sand and sort of ignores everything that goes um, on around him, I would think. Yeah. But I guess, excuse me, a good place to start, um, uh, Maria, is if we can sort of take a step back a little bit. Are you able to um, to really define stress for us? Because as you alluded before, not all stress is actually bad for us. No, absolutely. Well, stress is defined as an external pressure. So the way that I like to look at that and how I I suppose I like to keep things simple, Audra, is it can either be chemical, physical or emotional. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's a bit like if people are eating a crappy diet and they know, for example, some of your listeners who are shift workers, if you know you're working a night shift and you're shoving Tim Tams down followed by a cup cup of coffees, followed by somebody brought in some red frogs, followed by you know, whatever else is in the tea room, um, it's highly likely your body is not going to really love you for that and you're going to take longer to recover. Uh, Whereas if you, you know, or take it for the example of from emotional stress, if you're under the pump because you've got a a parent that's sick or your work is really stressful at the moment, it's going to have an impact. Um, And the same with physical. If you're in terrible postures all the time, you're not moving well, uh, you're spending too much couch time, you're not sleeping in great postures, it's going to have an impact. So that's that's how I define uh, this definition of stress is an external pressure. And it really is just a matter of whether you are able to identify whether those external pressures, as I said, are good pressures or bad pressures and whether you need to make some tweaks to it or perhaps add some more good stuff in to counteract some of the bad pressures that might be on you. Mm. Gosh, I think, um, yeah, some of our listeners are probably cringing when you were mentioning about the coffee and the Tim Tams and <laughs> everything. 
think you're absolutely... Well, I, I look after a lot of shift workers in, in my practice, yep. actually, yeah. and it's amazing, you know, um, and when they've come to some of our workshops, we've got a brilliant workshop on next week. Dr. Damien Christoph's coming up from Melbourne. Uh, he'll be talking about power food. I'll be talking about stressing less, oh, uh, which is going to be amazing. Gold. Really looking forward to it. And yeah. so... It's so cool when my shift workers come in, God love their cotton socks, and they're like, I'm really trying to make change. <laughs> and I don't know, like, you know, I, I I sit in awe of people that work shift work because I'd be hopeless at working night shift. I don't know how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be rubbish at it. Um, but I also understand the pressures of when you're tired and you're looking for a stimulant, looking for something easy, you're connecting with the people that you're potentially working with, and that's what's there. Mm-hmm. That's where really identifying why you want to make change or why you want to make healthy additions to your world is is so, so important because if you're not attached to the reason why you're doing it, you're going to go the Tim Tam every time. And the reason why I don't have Tim Tams in my house is because I cannot stop at one or two. (laughs) The the whole packet would – if there was a packet of Tim Tams in our house, I would have to create chocolate bombs in my coffee and they would be gone. Yeah. (laughs) It's just having an awareness around how how your behaviours tend to play out, and and make sure as much as possible you can you can be in control of the environment that you, that you're situated in. Yeah, totally, totally. Need to have a bit of a Tim Tam ban. We we have in our house as well. Too, so that's the only way we could get through it. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Or now one of the, the tricks I have in our pantry is I have uh, because my, my treat is um, is 70% lint chocolate because I, I will stop. I have if I'm if I'm getting sugar cravings, mm-hmm. a, a side story, if I'm getting sugar cravings, I will knock small children out of the way to get to it. <laughs> one of the things that I've taught myself to do is my treat is 70% dark chocolate and mm-hmm. um, my other family members may have other forms of chocolate in the house but it's in their basket and I can't touch their basket. These are the sort of things. That we that you know we have to set ourselves up to succeed, and so these are the little, if you like, mind. I'm not going to call them tricks or Jedi tricks, but they're the little things that I go. Well, it's not in my basket, so I don't have it. Mm. It's these sorts of things that we can create habits around. Mm. Uh, whereas in the past, if it was just in the cupboard, it would be like mine. Mm. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been gone. Mm, totally. Yeah. To- and hey, it works. So that's the main thing is that you find kind of a way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, just for our listeners as well, um, Maria, can you sort of explain um, what's actually happening to our body when it's under this fight or flight stress response, or as you mentioned before, that sympathetic dominant state? What's going on with our body when that happens? Sure. Well, there's a series of different physiological reactions really that happen. Um, and basically when – have you gone over – and I'm sorry, Audra, have you gone over sympathetic dominance with your listeners before? Uh, in different podcasts I have, but but keep going. We might have a brand-new listener on today. Okay, so they okay. heard that you were coming on, so <laughs> And they came with – the reason why I ask is because I know a lot of people touch on it and, and I we can go into a whole lot of – um, I suppose biochemical and thing, reactions and things like that. But the way I like to describe sympathetic dominance in the easiest possible way, um, and what I find is a lot of people that I initially meet, they've never heard of it before, mm-hmm. or they've heard of it being called fight flight before. Yes. And then there's there's other people that have never heard of either, and they look at me like I'm a nutcase. So basically, what fight flight is, or sympathetic dominance, is it's any time that your body senses danger. And basically within our nervous system, we have two parts of it. We have our sympathetic nervous system. We have our parasympathetic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system is designed to keep us safe. Our parasympathetic, parasympathetic, pop my teeth back in, nervous system is designed to keep us cool, calm and collected. So 
our sympathetic nervous system, anytime our body senses that it is in danger, it fires off. And so it's, it's like if you've got a big, big tiger chasing after you, or often I talk about the creepy dude in the alley that you hear it and you go, Oh, what was that? And your body's now into a sympathetic dominant state mm. or a sympathetic state. Um, you're probably not in dominance yet because hopefully you then come back out of it once you know you're safe. So when that happens, few different things happen is that our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure increases, basically our blood starts pulling to our vital organs versus, uh, sorry, our vital organs really shut down so that we can get blood to our periphery so we can get the heck out of there. Um, it increases all sorts of things in terms of how our body responds to insulin and our sugars and all sorts of things as far as that's concerned. Um, and that all happens so, so quickly. Now, then to get into that sympathetic dominant state or being stuck in it is that's when you've been in it for so long, you're not coming out of it anymore. And that's where th people see things that are more chronic and they see signs that are more chronic, like poor posture. They're seeing that their shoulders are tight all the time. They might start having some gut issues where they're noticing certain foods bloat them. They might be putting on weight even though they're still eating relatively well in inverted commas. Um, they're seeing some other chronic illnesses actually popping up that they may not have had in the past. But because they are basically stuck in that fight-flight syndrome for so long is that their body starts to break down around them because it's not getting a chance to actually be in a cool, calm and collected state very often. I hope that made sense. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and I think, um, uh, again, you were sort of mentioning it a bit before too, it, it, a lot of it comes down to that perception of a stressful situation too because I think some people can react. Well, I mean, I know you used to, you know, you, if you kind of walk in and you've got this overflowing inbox of, you know, 50 emails, you know, that can um, kind of set off that similar uh, chain of reaction with the biochemistry as if we're being, you know, chased by a wild elephant, which is quite extraordinary. It is amazing. And I, and I see it and I speak quite regularly about it with people now too, is that two, two things to that. One is that when it comes to the notifications that we get, whether it's on our phone, on our laptops, things like that, it can be constant. Yeah. So one of the first things mm. I'd say is turn anything off that you can. So the only notifications that, for example, come to my mobile phone are text messages uh, that sit on my home screen are actually text messages or messages from my business pages, just in case I need to answer those quickly. Anything else all sits behind so that the first thing that I see when I pick up my phone is not 30 people wanting my attention mm. because because mm. you're right, that's, that's enough to set you off into a, a sympathetic state. Um, and it, it just becomes to that point where our body becomes so used to that stress response, it starts driving our brain. And before our brain often even realizes that we're stressed, our body's already started those chemical reactions. And it's it's quite amazing how we need to take control back of what's actually going on within our system. Mm. So what makes us cope better than stress then? Because, you know, as, as in like what makes people, um, you know, there's some people more resilient to stress than others. Is it genetics? Is it, yeah, I'm curious. I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think it's cultural. I think it's, you know, how have you been brought up? How have you, have you been brought up that mm. stress doesn't exist? Yeah. Have you, you know, what, what life circumstances you've been in? Uh, I think it also comes down to what our uh, talents and strengths are innately, which is uh, what we talk a lot about a lot on our Momentum Architects uh, podcast, is it's basically how we're designed and, as you said, how, how resilient we are because if – 
in terms of that coping as well, it's, it's also the ability to recognize it quickly so that you can shift it up. And on top of that, it's what sort of healthy habits you have within your life already that mean that you cope with it quite well because you've actually got everything else pretty much in place. So if stresses are there, you can recognize them quickly, deal with them quickly um, and move on. I hope that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I was always curious, you know, just in my own workplace when I was working at the airport, you know, there'd be moments when fog and bad weather and that and all of a sudden we'd have, you know, multiple cancelled flights, about 500 people standing in front of us and there was only about four of us on shift. Yeah. My heart rate just went up thinking about (laughs) that, that's for sure. Yeah, and like, yeah, my heart rate would get going. But some of my workmates is like, oh, yeah, you know, like it is what it is, just another day in the office. And uh, and you, I just used to look at them in awe thinking, oh, can I have what you're on? I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, but they're just well, sort of able to I, kind I of just take I think something that you touched on really nicely there was, well, some people just took it in their stride, it is what it is. I think part of where a lot of people end up stressing more than necessary is because they are trying to be in control of things they have zero control over. Yeah. Um, and that's where, a, like, if there's fog at the airport, you can't do anything about that. If something's cranky, if somebody's cranky with you in front of you in the line, you actually can't control their crankiness. All you can control is is yourself. Um, and it's it, again, it's quite amazing. It's when one of the things I talk about quite a lot in in my um, Be the Queen of Distress podcast is my worrier meter, and we really t- that really breaks down any sort of stress you might have. Is it something you can change, something you can't change, or something you're not sure about whether you can change? Because if we can categorize things into that very quickly, again, it's amazing how we cope better with stress. So to answer your initial question better or more thoroughly is that why do some people cope better? I think because they categorize what's going on faster um, so that they can deal with it whichever way they need to. Oh, like they're sort of taking in the big picture of it all? Is that what you mean? Yeah, correct. So, for example, when we're thinking about the worrier meter, if you think on the left-hand side it's can't change, middle is not sure if I can change, right-hand side is uh, can change is let's say that the airport the fog example is well if there's fog you can't change that it sits absolutely in the can't change so all that you as far as that's concerned as you said some of your colleagues will go oh well it's foggy what can I do um, is well you can't do anything about it or you all then you need to figure out is well what can I do in this particular situation well I need to help these 500 people that are in front of me in the best way that I can um, in the other end of the spectrum, say things you can change, let's take the Tim Tam example again, is things you can change is, well, you know, I want to look after what I'm eating a bit better. I don't want to eat so much sugar if I'm on night shift, those sorts of things. Well, I need to take a big, bold step to put other habits in place to start creating other habits that can replace that and I can add some good stuff in. And some of the other big, bold things I might have to do is let my work colleagues know that that's something I'm doing and if maybe for a couple of days they don't offer me a Tim Tam or give me grief about not eating a Tim Tam or whatnot, is that a, sometimes that's a big, bold step because you're stepping out of – you're stepping into a new zone uh, of comfort, if you like, or stepping out of your comfort zone. And the people that you have surrounded yourself with might be going, well, hang on a second, that's not what Audrey usually does, or that's not what Dr. M usually does. How come all of a sudden this is what's going on? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conundrum for many as they're starting to make change. Um, how, how other people around them actually cope with that and, or how you perceive them to be coping with it. But a lot of why different people look at the world differently when something pear shape is happening is literally because of their hard wiring and that comes down to as I said cultural stuff 
life experiences, things that you were taught when you were little, and then how you express them as you're getting older. Mm, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. But as you said, like, um, gosh, I was going to ask you about your worry meter, but you beat me to it. Um, <laughs> as that, yeah, as that way, as a, as a great strategy to, yeah, really kind of focus on, um, yeah, what not as opposed to focusing all the stuff that you can't change because that just sends us into a bit of a downward spiral as it is because it, it becomes overwhelming with with oh there's so much I can't change blah 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 and when we fococus on it it kind of attracts more of it and yeah just sort of letting it go um yeah interesting interesting oh well, I guess um also one of the reasons why I want to talk to Maria is yeah obviously yeah you see you do see shift workers so you definitely have a great insight to our lifestyle which is wonderful um but because yeah my clients obviously they work these crazy 24 7 hours um you know basically though just because of that their body is biologically stressed and that's really even before we've set foot into a stressful environment largely due to the fact that sleep deprivation or disruption combined with that sort of ongoing exposure to light 24 7 is uh, that environmental stress and biological stress that you were talking about before because it pretty well much affects every tissue, cell and organ in our body. But it it is what it is. You know, we need shift workers. The world, as I keep saying um, to everyone, I think that the, the planet would almost literally stop spinning if all shift workers stopped working 24-7. Yeah. Um, but so what would be your number one tip to kind of help shift workers to kind of just reduce some of the impacts of this sort of stress uh, that they're facing every single day? Yeah, it's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Mm. Uh, well, number one, I think it's uh, having the awareness of that it is having an impact on your system. I actually think that's yeah. the biggest tip yeah. because it, it, I meet a lot of people where they're not even aware that their shifts are probably playing a part in what's going on with their body. Mm. Um, and as you said, that constant being in lights and not having darkness and depending on how dark you can make your room if you're sleeping during the day and all those sorts of things, just basically – your body's working opposite to people that are up during daylight. Um, so it's, number one, having an awareness. And, and and that might sound really oversimplified and people might be going, well, that's not actually a tip. It actually is mm. because a lot of people in, in whatever we're whatever changes we're making, it starts with what's going on in between our ears in terms of our mindset. So number one, having, having that awareness. Um, number two is I would suggest – making sure that you are being mindful in those three key areas of stress, whether that's chemical, physical, or emotional, and doing checking in with yourself on where you're sitting stress-wise within those three areas. And one of the things I suggest to my clients or in my workshops, uh, in the workshops that I facilitate, is always add good stuff in first. Don't try and take stuff out initially. Uh, add more good stuff in, and eventually the bad stuff will actually start petering out a little more if you like so um when it comes to your food is is absolutely and i'm sure you've touched on this before audrey is you know minimizing your processed food minimizing your sugars and stimulants as much as you can so that when you can be sleeping you're getting a better quality of sleep mm. than what you would be if you jazzed on coffee and sugars yep. um to make it through whatever shift you're on because i see a lot of my shift workers actually look worse going into a off, coming off a day shift than what they do a night shift um, I don't know if that's something that you've noticed, but because their sleep, because their sleep is so out of whack, um, where often they're sort of coming, they haven't had a good night's sleep before they've gone to a day shift because their sleep pattern's still so off. Um, so it's getting back onto a normal sleep pattern as soon as you can if you if your shifts are rotating. Um, but as I said, it's adding good stuff in and 
looking at that techniques of being able to wind down as quickly as possible mm. if you're working an unusual shift mm. that doesn't include, again, alcohol stimulants, sugars, uh, because that's often what people then go to is that, well, I need to relax because I need to go to sleep so I'll have a glass or something. Um, that's not necessarily the best thing to be doing, but it's looking at different mindfulness techniques or meditation techniques as well just to really calm what was probably a busy brain very quickly so you can, can get some better quality rest um, when you can. Mm, brilliant tips, absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, I can definitely relate to what sort of what you're saying is, yeah, a lot of my um, clients, they really do struggle with their sleep, mainly because it is their, their brain is still firing 200 kilometres an hour um, and they haven't sort of allowed that time to kind of or done the, the, the proper things um, to help to their body to kind of get into that sort of wind down mode because at the end of the day, sleep is a form of relaxation and we're never going to sleep well if we're not relaxed. Absolutely. So I think, um, yeah, they're, they're great tips. And along with it, yeah, resetting your circadian rhythms and, and so forth. That's, um, yeah, awesome. And yeah. I, I also too wanted to say that, you know, sometimes I, I do, I talk to my clients and, you know, cause I, you know, you ask them, you know, at 10, you know, out of one to 10, how stressed do you feel? That kind of thing. And, and, you know, some of them might not say, like, I don't feel stressed at all. But then when we dig deep and start doing, you know, the pathology, pathological testing in the adrenals and and so forth the body tells us a completely different story sure how are you seeing the effects of stress in your own chiropractic uh, practice i mean you mentioned obviously um before with the the hunched shoulders and and so forth but yeah how how is it manifesting in in the clients that you're seeing well, I think for a lot of people, and, and again, it's across all the different areas that I work in, um, my practice is, is one component of that, um, mm. is that it's, it's people's, whether it's pain cycles, whether that's emotional pain, physical pain, um, or chemical pain, because what's happening is because they're in this cyclic stress cycle, um, is that old, old pains, if you like, keep coming back up. And it's not necessarily because they've aggravated. Let's take a back injury, for example. Is I have you, And I'm sure you've had clients that perhaps talk about this or, or people might resonate with this is that say you've injured your low back many, many years ago and then you're not even doing anything and it actually comes back. My first question, and people often come in and say, oh, this is back again and I actually wasn't even doing anything. I just literally bent over to tie my shoelaces yeah, up. Yeah. And I say, And my first question is, are you, have you had a stressful day? And they go, what? And I say, what's been going on today? You look, you actually look like you've had a tough day. What's going on? They go, I have. I had a day filled with confrontation. I've had blah, blah, blah. How did you know? And part of what happens, particularly from a, a neurological point of view, is because we set up pain habits, if you like, is the best way. I, I, that's how my brain gets around it, <laughs> is that we, we set up habits of pain so that our body's been used to this particular cycle. It's been used to these physiological and biochemical reactions. And so anytime we're under stress, again, whether it's chem chemical, physical, or emotional, is our body's response to that is going, oh, you're under stress. Oh, you're not feeling good. Oh, your back must be hurting. And so consciously, we recognize our back being sore, but we ne not, haven't necessarily aggravated that injury. Sometimes people go, well, that's a bit out there and woop woop, but it's how our <laughs> works. Um, and, you know, it's, it's things like often, for example, if people have a low back issue going on, it's off, uh, I, the way that I describe it is our, our lower back and our pelvis is like foundation. So sometimes when our foundations are being rocked emotionally, it's often the area that goes. And they go, oh, my God, how did you know uh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so it's it's those sorts of things that I see more and more in a stressed life, uh, in our stressful modern lives. I, I also see um, I see people getting too stuck in a compare game of well, why why don't I have X Y Z? That person, particularly on things like Facebook and Instagram, and we get mm. stuck in our social medias, is that that's where I see it playing out. Is people get stuck into some really unhealthy cycles of I need to be skinnier, fitter, faster, better you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, than the person next to me. And I, and I just see that creating this level of overwhelm rather than focusing on the stuff that for most of them underlying is actually what's important. But, again, we get into – people get into a habit of creating this pe- pleasure pain cycle um, which then can play out in lots of different areas of how their stress actually shows up. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, and as you were sort of saying, that insta-perfect insta kind of, um, you know, how many likes am I getting today comparison kind of mode, um, yeah, yeah it's definitely not a healthy kind of um, mindset to go. On that note, actually, since because we, we know like so many people, you know, we've become addicted to our mobile phones, surely mm. you must be seeing the manifestations of that um, physically with your patients as in the yeah, neck problems, no doubt. Even I don't know any with their hands. Maybe I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> well, number one, I call my clients clients. By the way, Audra, I don't have patience. Oh. Um, <laughs> just in terms of just as a, and the reason being is because um, the sort of work I do is it's it's whilst people often come in to see me um, initially because they might have a pain or a symptom is people stay. Um, and I look after them for many years because it's really about being proactive and making sure that their brain and bodies are connecting properly. Um, so in terms of that, um, the the issue in terms of devices, where I see that more of being an issue is actually, in, again, how they're neurologically functioning because of the blue wavelength light that's actually in backlit devices so whether that's computers or phones it actually Mm. sends us into a sympathetic dominant state the other issue with it is again is from a an addictive point of view is that people are spending far too much time in the virtual world and not actually engaged in reality Um, and again that then creates physical manifestations if you like of that constant stress state and the lack of engagement that they have with their family and friends uh the lack of engagements potentially with their work colleagues if they're constantly on their phone um and also just how they're feeling in the world it's very interesting i was i was watching a video um a couple of weeks ago and it was fascinating was simon sinek actually talking about the impact of even somebody holding their phone in their hand while they're talking to you is how it actually makes you feel and whether you have their full attention, let alone if somebody has their phone up on a table if you're actually having a meal with them or even if they've got it face down on a table. And I went, oh, that's really interesting. And then I kept an eye on that and I was like, wow, it is it makes a massive difference just to how we're feeling in ourselves and through our stress levels and whether we're feeling um, listened to, respected, mm that we're worthy, that we're prioritised, all these things start coming up. And so it, it works both ways. And I suppose for me is that's what I see within within my my practice life and, and the other work that I do is more and more is that people are really impacted by their own addiction to having their phone constantly attached to them um, and also that fear of missing out, oh, my God, I must check it, 
because if I don't check it, I might miss something or, or, oh, my goodness, they've seen that I've read their Insta message or their (laughs) public message on Facebook. I must answer it because they're going to think I'm rude. Um, Yet they'll probably see the same person, actually, their phone number coming up on their phone and they'll they'll send them through to voicemail because I don't feel like talking to them right now. So it's a really fascinating conundrum that people end end up in um, from from that side of things. Uh, And, again, that's where I see that manifestation. And, And more often than not, it's not necessarily just from the physical it's from the other impacts that it's actually having on their systems yeah wow yeah fascinating 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 stuff and then we could you know we could even sort of talk about no doubt that how much um that's making us more sedentary as well with how much time that would you be you'd be seeing the ramifications of that as well yeah i think we all do across the across the board i mean we we see the you kind of see the extremes where people are so sedentary that then they go, oh, my goodness, I must go and smash myself. People's language, I must go and smash <laughs> myself at the gym. Well, why don't you just go and exercise because that's good for you mm. and it's it's good to be physically active and it's great for our bone density and it's, it's just really interesting how people frame things um, versus and then the, to the other extreme where people are absolutely too sedentary and then they're, they're becoming to the point where they are losing function, whether that's they start getting joint pain, they actually start losing mobility and flexibility, they start gaining weight because they're literally just not moving enough for what they're actually putting into their systems. And so it, it is, it's, it's our sedentary lifestyles full stop right in, in our modern age, regardless of devices, is not fabulous for us. So we need to be making sure we're doing stuff to counteract that. And that's being aware of that you are moving and not just having a gym membership where you have the key fob and you, that's where yeah. the membership ends. I was like that for many years. I've had many a key fob for a very and not used but yeah. I'm a member of the gym. Um, yeah. You know, that's something that I've shifted quite significantly over the last couple of years. Um, and again, it's it's just it's making sure you've got things in the right frame framework uh, from a mindset perspective as to why you're doing it, and and doing it because you, you are framing it and it's important for my overall health and well-being, uh, which is important because whether it's because of your family, whether it is because of your work, whether it's because you've got a global mission to change the world and you need to be at your best versus I just need to be like that person on Instagram. Yeah. Or I want to be my 16-year-old self when you're in your 40s. It's kind of not going to happen. Yes. So, you know, it's 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 amazing how many people go, I just want to look like I did when I was 16. I'm like, how old are you now? And they're like 45. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just it's, it's impossible um, to go back there. And would you really want to go back there? And a lot of people's answer is yes, I would. Um, but it's it's just, again, putting that into perspective and back into the worry meter of is it something you can change, can't change, or you're not sure of. And for anything you're not sure of, that's where I really recommend that you have a trusted advisor, whether that's a health practitioner, um, a, a health coach, a performance coach. Uh, it might be a trusted family member. I always put the caveat on family members, though, is you just need to make sure they're actually qualified to give you advice in that particular area and it serves you not an ulterior motive they may have um same with friends sometimes friends are very good at opinionating all over you and they don't necessarily have any background in what they're opinionating on um so again that can make a play a a big part um in in how we're coping with with those daily modern stresses Mm, yeah yeah it's fascinating I love your whole um, mind body approach to it all it's just yeah because it is it's so so very important I remember um 
interviewing Dr. Brett Hill many, mm. many, many, many episodes ago now. And one thing that stuck with me that he was saying, because we were talking about how some exercise is stressful, you know, it raises that cortisol and, and so forth in a, in a in a damaging way if it's done as you, what did you, how did you describe it before when they go help when, for leather? Or when people smash themselves. Smash, that's it, when yeah. they smash themselves. Yes, exactly, under that same kind of regime. But, he, you know, he also said not exercising when you don't exercise is a form of stress too. And Absolutely. That was quite powerful to kind of keep that in mind that you might not be you're sitting on the couch there you might not be feeling stressed but your body is very stressed because you're not moving absolutely and that's the thing when it comes to our bodies we're designed to move and where people get a little bit muddled is that um, I mean, if we look historically, which I know Dr. Brett's right into, is that we're, how we're designed to move, if you look back to our ancestry, is we were, we were designed to move gently every day. Um, if people were hunting, they didn't run a marathon to catch the lion or the tiger or yeah. whatever they were eating. It was short sprints. Um, and they picked heavy stuff up and put it back down quite regularly. Um, so it doesn't doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be done too much, but it has to be done enough that you're actually – you know, the old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it, is very, very true. Um, and I know last year when I was doing a particular protocol to help uh, my adrenals heal from from a period of time that was very stressful is that I didn't exercise for a period of time. And, and whilst I was dropping a lot of kilos, which was great for my cortisol levels, it was great for my adrenals, um, I went to pick up my puppy dog. I have a Groodle. If you follow my Instagram page, you'll see a photo of Atlas at some point. Um, <laughs> is that she's 28 kilo big fur ball. She thinks Whoa. she's cute. Um, but her, the, the food that I buy are 15 kilo bags because it's the easiest way to get her food. And, and I got to a point where I actually couldn't pick up the bloody bag of dog food order. And it was that moment where I really struggled. And I went, well, that's ridiculous. I need to be able to feed the dog. And yeah. I can't. And, I, and, you know, at the ripe old age then of being 40 is not to be able to pick up a 15-kilo bag with ease was a real light bulb moment of going, I, okay, I can see whether there was for me at the time a benefit because I was releasing kilos that were toxic to me, mm-hmm. but I needed to also regain my strength both from a professional level of my hands-on work but also and not for because I have to be super strong to do it but I need to have stamina to be able to do it and if I can't pick up a 15 kilo bag for me to be adjusting my clients all day or my practice members becomes tricky but also just in life it's a bit it's a bit early at, at the ripe old age of 40 to pull up stumps and go well I will get help to pick up my bags from here on in um it doesn't quite work that way so it, it is it's it's where again I see people getting to these extreme states of where sometimes they go to the end of over exercising and the other end of that is they don't exercise at all and like most things moderation's key um it sounds so simple it's not a sexy thing to sell but it's the reality of what's good for us more often than not is is that moderation side of things. Um, and what we get jammed down our, our eyes and our ears constantly is, is the extreme fads or nuances that people can sell and make a lot of money out of basically by tapping into people's fears and mm. – and which is, again, it's probably a whole nother episode, but it's amazing of when people are living in that, that fear state of, oh, God, if I don't lose five kilos, then I'm going to be a failure. What a load of hogwash, um, in, mm. in my opinion. But it's amazing, again, when we're talking about getting into a stressed state, it's amazing how many people will stay in that that thought process of I'm a failure because I haven't lost that five kilos or because I haven't smashed myself at the gym or I haven't done this versus, well, maybe there was a reason and you needed to be gentle with yourself that day. Um, 
so just yeah, as I said, that mindset piece and and factor in it all is really where it all stems from for me. And and then we need to make sure obviously the physical structure around it is in the right position to be able to then um, for you to be able to reach your full potential. Mm, yeah, change your mindset, and the rest the rest usually follows with it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Where? Wow. Well, yeah. Fantastic uh, advice, uh, Maria. Look, this has been awesome chatting with you uh, today. I, I think on, you're like one of these um, guests that I could probably just just hit record and we could keep going for hours. But I'm very oh, conscious that's of that's your time. That's all, that's all <laughs> yeah. So thank you so so very much for um, you know sharing some of um, your stress reduction to wisdom with us today i think um in many in many ways like the whole nutrition and exercise uh has uh, obsession if i may use that as a word has kind of overshadowed the importance of things like um stress and sleep uh so that's why i really um have had my radar on you was wanting to get you on this, this yeah, podcast for a yeah. while because it's yeah. yeah we're not talking about it as enough it's well, been a bit overshadowed yeah absolutely well when you look at what's in our in our I suppose in our news feeds the most is it's stuff that people can sell and it's hard to sell stress and sleep. Mm. It's not sexy. People don't mm. make a lot of money out of it. And so that it doesn't become forefront of mind for from a marketing point of view. And and again it comes to, you know, we were talking about tips for people and sometimes go, that's a might they might go, that's a strange thing to say. But again, it's being aware of what's in front of your like what what is the information that you're digesting on a regular basis? Because as, as I said, is it starts with our mindset and then we need to make change from there um, and we need to be aware of what we're filling our minds with because it makes a massive difference then of the choices that we make when we're taking those big bold steps of making change uh, and making sure we've got the right information too I think is key yes definitely oh yeah absolutely the the source can be yeah, quite can, can can be dr google can be great but sometimes dr google's not quite as qualified as true very true story there. <laughs> yeah well look so how can people um you know find you maria and learn more about what you do with your practice and your wellness workshops and so forth um that you run Sure. Um, I would suggest two spots to actually uh, have a look at. Number one is um, the Queen of Stress website, which is thequeenofstress.com. Uh, on there, you can actually do the eight ball quiz, which is a quiz that shows you how you how well you are either are or are not adapting to stress right now. It's a free quiz that you can do. Uh, and the other place, if you want to see all the things that I do, is drmaria.com.au is the website to jump onto. Or on Facebook is Inner Edge Wellness or on Instagram is Dr. Maria Zed. So there's multitude of ways that you can contact me, but thequeenofstress.com is uh, a really good place to start and it's where they can find uh, all of my Be the Queen of Your Stress podcast. Mm, awesome. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, yeah, the, with the, obviously your podcast as well. Uh, so, guys, get on to it. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, she's got lots of great um, episodes on there and uh, they're very in length and some nice little short ones in there because I know that when we're tired and exhausted, we don't usually have the attention span to kind of listen in for a long episode. So, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're really, really good. So, yeah, I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Um, and look, I really look forward to meeting you in person in a few weeks. Yeah, looking forward. <laughs> to it looking very much looking forward to it yeah yeah so for those of you who don't know with this um, episode at the moment um both maria and myself are going to be in melbourne on august 25 and 26 as um some of the speakers that are going to be there 
Um, and look, I'm sure that you'll agree with me uh, on this as a fellow 40-something vintage, uh, Maria, that it's really great to meet people through social media, but I'm definitely more old school and kind of love meeting people in real in real life. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, you can't give you a hug on on social media, and as they <laughs> as they say, is that we need a certain number of hugs to actually to be vital. So um, people get caught up in the virtual world a little bit too much, and and, and get lulled into a sense of connection when really they they're not. Um, and again, that's where a lot of the the stress states that. I see people in STEM from these days. So I am. I'm very much looking forward to meeting you at the Wellness Summit in real life, real time. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, look, that's it um, for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. If you're wanting to come to the Wellness Summit in Melbourne on August 25 and 26 and meet both myself and Maria in person along with over 20 other wellness speakers, um, then I do have a handful of two-for-one tickets that I can give away. Um, all you need to do is go to the wellnesssummit.com website and use the promotion code SHIFTWORKERSSUMMIT at the checkout um, and uh, I hope to see you um, both there. So thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.